It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is good? It's your boy Sosa Kermendous, fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community, because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked on Rams podcast. I know, I know a lot of Rams Nation is probably hurting right now. Uh, and, you know, I resonate and I hear you and I feel you. Uh, that was a disappointing finish to what, you know, was both a horrible game and one of the most thrilling games I could probably remember as a Rams fan, to be quite honest with you. And so, um, you know, let's just talk right through it here. Uh, so obviously, the Los Angeles Rams lost on Sunday to the Buffalo Bills by a score of 35 to 32, with there being plenty to talk about. So we're just going to dive right into it. And to start out the episode, you know, we're going to highlight the offense and the players who stood out on that side of the ball. And so you got to begin with the quarterback, Jared Goff, who had 321 passing yards, as well as two touchdowns passing and one interception. Now, Goff, I mean, the offense as a whole really struggled in the first half. And I wouldn't really pin that on any one particular player or unit. But Jared Goff had a very solid game in the second half. He was very decisive with his passes. I thought he was very accurate. Obviously, you know, he had the blunder with the interception, which was, you know, it just wasn't a good decision. But outside of that, I mean, he played a very clean game. Once again, he was just very decisive with his passes. Once again, accurate. And he led the offense to 29 straight unanswered points in the second half and essentially put the Rams in a position to win the game. And, you know, we'll talk about whether or not they should have. But that was another crisp performance from the offense. The first half an hour was not great. The second half an hour was maybe the best we've seen the offense since 2018 even. So, uh, you know, another good game for Jared Goff. He strung together now three strong games to start up the 2020 season. And you have to be, you know, excited about how he's playing really uh, after coming off a 2019 season, which he just didn't perform that well. Obviously, maybe the man of the match for me, we got to go to running back Daryl Henderson, who absolutely balled. Rookie Cam Akers was out of the game with a rib injury. He was inactive. Uh, veteran Malcolm Brown had surgery on Monday to repair a broken finger and just didn't play that much outside of passing downs to block and things like that. So it was pretty much a Daryl Henderson game, and he proved 
you know, why the Rams traded up to go draft him in the third round in the 2018 draft and why they gave him a shot to go make plays today. He had 20 carries for 114 rushing yards and one touchdown, which was a 5.7 uh, yards per rush average. I mean, he looked decisive. He looked fantastic. He was making dangerous cuts one after the next. He was getting into the second level of the defense routinely. And shout out to the offensive line while we're here because the Rams had 167 rushing yards on the day, which is just outstanding. You know, that's a third game in a row where the Rams' rushing attack just looked great. Uh, that's three games in a row. The offensive line has just done a fantastic job opening holes. And Daryl Henderson did a great job on, uh, you know, bursting through those holes with a lot of acceleration and getting to the second level routinely and uh, creating at the second level. So the Rams' offense was really spearheaded by that rushing attack once again. And, you know, they rode the back of Daryl Henderson really all the way down the field on multiple occasions. Now, I wish Sean McVay uh, had not gotten away from the run so often, particularly in the first half. But, you know, they turned around in the second half and they had one hell of a performance. Now, going to the receiver room, really all three of the top options had great days. So, you know, headlined by wide receiver Cooper Cup, he had 10 targets. He pulled in nine of those for 107 yards and one touchdown. Uh, He looked, you know, fantastic as always. He converted a bunch of third downs. He was very crisp in his route running, sure-handed. He was toasting corners on money downs, extending drives. You know, he proves once again why he's just one of the best receivers in the NFL. His running mate in Robert Woods had six targets. He pulled in five of those for 74 yards and a touchdown. Again, he was fantastic. He was involved in the jet sweep game and the rushing game as well. And then the third receiver in this game happened to be Josh Reynolds and not Van Jefferson. And Reynolds, like the other two, pulled in four of his five targets for receptions for 60 yards and looked good as well. He had one really impressive catch where he kind of had to double take on a tip pass and caught it really low and uh, it was a great catch. So all three guys really, you know, they got a fair share amount of targets and all three guys converted on pretty much 90% of their targets into receptions and really all of them were instrumental in this comeback, uh, nearly win, but, um, you know, they look very good. The receiving quarter looks very good. Jared Goff felt very comfortable and looked very comfortable targeting these guys. Obviously, the chemistry was there, and uh, the offense really just looked fantastic in that second half, to be quite uh, fair with them. So in the first half, obviously, they only scored three points, and they could have had six if it wasn't for a Sam Sloman missed kick. But, you know, he missed the kick, and uh, that was that, really. The Rams were down, I believe it was 21-3 to at half, and then coming out in the second half, again, sputtered in the first drive, didn't look good. The Bills answered with a touchdown of their own, and that put the game at 28-3. to And then at that point, the Rams really just turned it on. They scored 29 straight unanswered points in the second half. Uh, they averaged 7.2 yards per play all game, which is, again, another really good number. And they converted 60% of their third downs. That's an outstanding amount. Anything really above 40 is really good. Uh, anything above 50 is really good. Uh, in the 60s is just a fantastic number. So, again, that had a lot to do with Jared Goff being decisive in his passes and accurate. And that had a lot to do with Cooper Cup really routing up defensive backs and getting open and creating throwing lanes for a guy like Jared Goff. Now, the Rams, again, dominated the time of possession. It wasn't a huge sway. In terms of the difference between the Rams and the Bills, the Rams had the ball for 32 minutes and 12 seconds, where the Bills had it for 27 minutes and 48 seconds. But again, you know, the Rams are built really as a rushing attack that builds a strong passing attack through their ability to run and then their ability to mesh their play action concepts through the productivity of their running game. And so the Rams, again, in the second half showed who they are as a team and as an offense in this game. And so, you know, they obviously didn't get the win to, you know, end the game, but I've seen a lot from this team in this game, and I'm very excited from what I've seen in this contest, really their ability to battle back, and not only that, but again, 
string together another strong offensive performance after a 2019 season where the offense just didn't look that good. I'm very excited about this offense right now. The first half was not good. Clearly, they only had three points. They could have had six, but that second half, I feel like, you know, they just they just didn't come out as hot as they should have, and uh, they just looked a little bit rusty and unprepared, really. Uh, but in that second half, we've seen who that offense was again, that same offense from, you know, week one and week two. And I'm very, very excited about the early returns through three games about this offense. I think they look fantastic and they're going to carry the Rams really, uh, really, really deep into this season, I believe. And, you know, into the playoffs and potentially deep into the playoffs as well. But coming up in just a moment, you know, we got to highlight the defense. And really, if any of the players on that side of the ball stood out to us because they did allow 35 points. Uh, you know, they obviously can't keep allowing 35-point performances, but, you know, there were some positives, and we're going to touch on those too. And while we've got you, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP, and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it throughout the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and Vitamin B6 to give you the support where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com with the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In the last segment, I mentioned the defense and really uh, how we've got to highlight their performance and whether or not there was really anyone that stood out. Uh, obviously, the Bills threw up 35 points, which is never acceptable from a defense's point of view. Uh, but, you know, there were some positives and we're going to touch on those. So let's really just get into how they accomplished that and why. So I think the first thing that we have to really touch on here is that to begin the game and even a little bit later in the game, the Bills started with fantastic field position on multiple drives. Four of their drives started at their 42, their 43 they're 34 and they're 48 and three of those four drives ended in touchdowns you know so the defense was really not set up for success on a couple of those drives it was hard for them obviously to uh stop really the Bills' offense but you know they weren't put in a good position to start on at least four drives and that's tough to come out of especially the ones in the 40 plus range and uh you know but getting behind the eight ball right out of the gate is a tough thing to do but once again, you know, Aaron Donald, he continues to be all world. The Rams needed some defensive plays uh, late into that game to really just get back into it. And nobody looked better than Aaron Donald at that point in time. He obviously took his game to another level, which is insane because his game is already the best in the NFL. So his next level is just some unstoppable stuff. He had two sacks in the game, two tackles for loss and six tackles total. He clearly was getting a ton of pressure. He was getting a ton of double teams and, you know, triple teams, obviously, as per usual. But 
Donald just looks like a superhero, which comes as no surprise to anybody. Safety John Johnson was arguably one of the best players on the field as well. He had a iffy interception call that was ruled an interception, which didn't really look like one, though it would have been an offensive pass interference and it would have put the Bills in a very long, you know, second and 25, second and 30 situation, which very likely would have ended in a punt anyways. But that was the beginning of the momentum shift for the Rams, which ultimately sparked a huge comeback. But Johnson looked great. He he was very active in coverage. He had multiple stops on third downs. Uh, and he had seven tackles as well. So Johnson looks fantastic on the back end there. Leonard Floyd was probably the best edge rusher on the team today. He had a sack and a tackle for loss. Uh, and he had about two or three good reps against the run, though. That edge rusher position is really lacking right now. They just, uh, they need somebody to step up at this point in time. And going back to the secondary, rookie safety Jordan Fuller was hurt early in the game. I believe it was a shoulder injury. And he was ultimately replaced by Taylor Rapp, who played uh, pretty much the rest of the entire game. Obviously, the Rams, they look like they were missing Fuller, which is pretty crazy to say about a day three rookie starting in only his third NFL game. But Rap wasn't terrible, and I think a lot of fans are going to give him a lot of flack for you know his first performance. But I, I personally didn't think it was terrible. Uh, clearly, they have some chemistry issues on the back end because the Bills had a ton of receivers running wide open everywhere, including tight ends, including running backs, everyone. Uh, specifically in that first half and that needs to be cleaned up obviously and it was cleaned up really going into the second half uh, though again the Bills on their game-winning drive had a wide open tight end uh, who looked like he beat Micah Kaiser in coverage so that was a big big concern there was a ton of wide open guys running around everywhere and made the job really easy for Josh Allen to find wide open receivers and create huge chunk yardage and uh, extend drives and obviously end drives and touchdowns. So that's not acceptable. And uh, it was good to see the Rams at least, you know, fix that and going into the second half, but uh, they really can't be doing that at all ever. So uh, that's one huge area of concern that they're going to have to fix. And then, you know, going to the uh, secondary, Jalen Ramsey, he didn't have a great game. He was beaten for a touchdown. He was really beaten for two or three touchdowns, two of which were called back on penalties. Uh, Darius Williams, I believe, was beaten for a touchdown as well. And then obviously he had the controversial and tacky pass interference call, which, you know, essentially ended the game for the Rams, which probably shouldn't have been called. But, you know, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. And then Micah Kaiser, like I mentioned, was also beaten for a touchdown. Uh, and really, there was no pass rush. There was just no pass rush. Uh, that is a huge area of concern. The defense, there was a lot of breakdowns in coverage. There was a massive lack of the pass rush from the edge rusher positions. Really, Aaron Donald was the only player to offer any sort of pass rush. And that's very concerning because Aaron Donald's a guy who's getting doubled and triple teamed very often. And so you would expect uh, even lesser guys at the edge rusher position to take advantage of one-on-ones and take advantage of potentially getting tight ends or running backs in, in uh, pass rushing situations, but they simply haven't done it. And it's very concerning. Samson Ebukam looked like a massive liability out there today. Obo Karankwo really did absolutely nothing. The two best players really look like Leonard Floyd, who, again, is just not a great pass rusher. He's much better of a run stuffer. And Justin Hollins, who's kind of an inside linebacker slash outside linebacker, uh, tweener, who wasn't even on the team four weeks ago. So, you know, the the team really can't get Terrell Lewis back fast enough. And who knows if Lewis is even going to make a big difference or any difference. And so they just simply need these guys to step up. There's really no two ways about it Uh, moving forward. They got a good shot here against the New York Giants' offensive line, who just is not very good at all, to start to string together some good performances and, uh, you know, maybe get their stats up a little bit, get their 
confidence up a little bit and start to just play better really and kind of take these next few games and these next few opportunities to put together some strong performances that they can carry forward uh, going into the latter part of the season against some tougher offensive lines. Coming up when we return, you know we have to talk about the referees and some of the flags slash non-flags that were called in this contest. They were brutal, so you know we're going to touch on that in the next segment. And make sure to check back on Tuesday when we recap this performance of the Rams and the Bills in depth with, with the analytics and the PFF numbers. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last 24 months. With that being the case, I've been on the lookout for the perfect protein bar and have finally stumbled upon one called the Built Bar. You need to check them out. They're absolutely delicious and offer 18 different flavors so you can never really get bored. The bars are also healthy, they're low in calories, they're low in sugar, they have 19 grams of protein per bar, they're high in fiber, and they even work for those on a keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off all orders. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Hi, I'm Jake from LOCKEDON. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back to the final segment of today's episode. You know we've got to talk about some of these sketchy penalty calls and non-calls from these refs in week three, particularly in the Rams and Bills contest. You know, I touched upon it already, but... Uh, to begin, we're just going to start from earlier in the contest, really. It all began with that John Johnson interception slash non-interception. Now, it did not look like an interception. It was ruled an interception on the field. They obviously looked at it uh, in the booth because it was a turnover, and they ultimately ruled it an interception. Now, it should have absolutely been an offensive pass interference on the tight end, but that did not look like an interception. And, and really, that penalty call set the stage for what turned out to be just a very strange uh, call down the line with... Like I mentioned earlier, Darius Williams, it was a fourth and eight, I believe, uh, right inside the Rams, their red zone, the Bills had the ball, and it looked like a slant route from rookie receiver Gabriel Davis, who was lined up one-on-one against Darius Williams. Both players were getting really physical with each other. I mean, Davis looked like he wasn't even running a route. He looked like he was blocking at least like seven or eight yards down the field. And so, uh, you know, they were physical with each other. They were obviously pressing each other. Both guys, hands extended uh, in each other's chest plates. Darius Williams, let's go at, you know, the five, six, seven, eight yard mark. Davis eventually makes a break. Josh Allen throws the slant. The ball is incomplete. The ref throws a flag. And eventually, you know, that's obviously rule the first down as a pass interference call. And I believe it was the very next play, Josh Allen finds a wide open tight end for a touchdown to essentially seal the game, pretty much. Um, But 
that was a brutal call. It was very, very ticky and tacky. Uh, I thought the receiver, a you know, Davis was every bit as physical and every bit as in Williams's chest plate as Williams was in Davis's. And I thought that was just an incredibly tacky call on the most important play of the game. Now, you know, the Rams never should have put themselves in that situation ultimately because on that same drive, they had the Bills in a third and 22 situation. And really, that was the stage where they could have ended the game. That was the point where they really could have ended the game. They could have, you know, allowed a 10-yard reception or something small or anything really and just put them in a huge hole in their fourth down play and essentially just ended the game there. But on third and 22, Josh Allen was able to find slot receiver Cole Beasley for about a 23 or 24-yard gain, which converted the chains, which was an absolute momentum killer, just a killer in general. And really, it put the Bills in great position to ultimately either tie the game or win the game to win the game. And credit to the Bills for taking advantage. Now, you know, the refs, they I, I still don't think that was a pass interference. I don't think they should have called that. I think I thought it was a really crappy call. And I hate when referees decide the game, whether it be for the Rams or somebody else. It's never a good feeling. It's terrible. You don't want those guys deciding the outcomes of games. It's just brutal. And so, you know, that was very d- disappointing to see. I, the, this crew needs to get it straight going forward because there was a lot of terrible calls in this game. But I would say to Rams Nation and Rams fans, don't be discouraged because this team was down 28 to 3 at one point. They really had no business being in this game. And I was tweeting at halftime saying, this is their first, you know, look at adversity in 2020. How are they going to respond? This is going to tell me more about the team, whether they win or lose. Uh, I want to see what kind of guys they have in this locker room. Are they going to fight back? Are they going to scrap their way back in this game? And even if they win or not, I want to see a team that just doesn't want to quit. I want to see some adjustments being made from the coaching staff, which, you know, maybe we didn't see so much in the past, really, particularly from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I wanted to see guys who wanted to start to put games together and drives together like the Eagles did against them last week when, you know, they could have bowed out really, really early. And that's exactly what they did. They battled back. They scored 29 unanswered points and they actually took the lead and they very easily could have won if the refs just swallowed their whistles on a terrible call. I was very impressed with how McVay called this game with how Brandon Staley adjusted going into the second half. And really, I don't even know how much they adjusted or how much they needed to adjust. At first, it was a lot of breakdowns, and that was really it. It was just a lot of wide receivers running around wide open. Who's to say that the play calling wasn't good or that the plays weren't smart to be ran? Really, they just needed to get their chemistry okay, and they did in the second half. The defense really didn't allow much at all. The offense battled back and strung good drive after good drive after good drive. They continued to run the ball. They were gaining chunk yardage on the ground. Jared Goff did not look shook. The offensive line gave him enough time to sit back in the pocket and rip some passes to open receivers who were absolutely tearing up defensive backs. This was a loss at the end of the day, which should have been a win and very easily could have been a win. But I'm super impressed regardless of what the performance was and what the result was because this team showed a ton of fight. They showed a ton of resilience. They showed you know, that they're not going to bow out to anybody. We're talking about the Bills here. This isn't some cakewalk, terrible, peewee-style defense. This is one of the best defenses in the NFL. And the Rams just put 32 on their head like it was nothing. After a first half in which they only scored three points, and the defense allowed 28 points, essentially in the first half. It was in the first, you know, 35 minutes of the game, we'll say. And then for the last 25 of the minutes of the game, they really didn't give up anything outside of that last touchdown, which, you know, again, maybe shouldn't have happened. So, this was a freaking great performance. I know it sucks to be 2-1. I know it sucks to lose the game on a game on a play that shouldn't have happened. I know it sucks to have refs decide the outcome of a game. I know it sucks to not be unbeaten. 
I know it sucks to not be first in the NFC West anymore. I get that. But if there was one game that the Rams could have afforded to lose, regardless of whether they should have or not, it was this one. And now the Rams are going to head you know, back home. They're going to get ready for two, let's call it very easy games, because that's what they are against the New York Giants and the Washington football team. And they've got a great shot to get back you know, in the winning column and improve their record to 5-1. and one. Who the heck is not going to take 5-1? and one? Yeah, I would love a 6-0 and record, sure. But, but this game on Sunday told me so much about this team, really answered a lot of questions that I had about this team. And, you know, I actually believe in this team a lot more after this, you know, contest, regardless of what the actual outcome was. I don't care whether they won or lost. What I needed to see was a team who was going to fight. And they ultimately should have won the game. And that, to me, speaks volumes about this coaching staff, this roster, uh, their game plans, and really just what kind of guys there is in this locker room. And I'm fully bought in on the Rams right now. I think this team's going to be special moving down the line in the season. Uh, and today really told me that this is going to be a team to watch, not only come playoff time, but what, you know, how deep can they get in the playoffs? That's where my mindset has shifted to. Not can they get into the playoffs, but how deep is this team going to get into the playoffs? That's what I thought from today's performance. But check back in with us on Tuesday when we discuss this matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Buffalo Bills with the in-depth numbers and analytics. Just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QBsMEP and you can find the page at LockedOnRams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.